Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. So, hello and welcome to another week. This is Monday Guitar Motivation. We're going to be talking about chord tone soloing using a cage system. Hey, John. Thanks for being here, bud. Rashad is here. Rashad. Sorry if I'm butchering your name there. Hot Satin, Jimmy, Khan, Jim, Omar. Hey, everybody. Kat is here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hopefully you can hear me and see me okay. So what we're going to do here, again, I don't want to waste too much of your time. I'm going to give you something to think about here. And I'll probably take this jam track and maybe I'll put it on the Facebook Steve Stein guitar page so you guys can download this jam track. You got to give me a couple minutes when we get done here, but I'll do that. Hey, Austin, Roy, Russ, Sujin, Kem, Tomislav. Hey, Tomislav from Croatia. Cool. Tom, Russ, let's see here. Michael Stock is here. Hey, man. Good to hear from you. Cool. It's Sean from Chicago. Cool. Okay, awesome. So anyway, there's a lot of things we could do today, and maybe we'll talk further about this in some more Monday Guitar Motivations. But one thing that I like to do is try and get people to think a little bit more about melody and a little less about just playing through the scales. Circle of Fifths is here. Mission is here. John is here. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for being here. This is so great. Doing good here. It's I'm in North Dakota. It's incredibly cold out. We're dealing with like 40 below wind chills this morning. So, okay, yeah, thank you. I was butchering the poor guy's name, but he was okay with it, so I apologize for that. So we're dealing with like 40 below, so I'm, we're, everybody just stays inside. So anyway, what I want to do today is I want to talk about chord tone soloing. Really important to learn how to solo using chord tones versus just, like, let's say we were playing an E major scale. Right, something like that. So every time we play, we're moving up and down. You know, we're moving around through that scale. And of course, that's important. But today I'm not using an Ibanez. I actually just picked this up from a local guitar store. I'm making a video on it. But I went into my local guitar store, Flatland Guitar, and I love a great guitar neck. When you walk into a store and you find a guitar where the neck is just absolutely perfect, it makes my 2021. I should have bought it in 2020 because it would have made 2020 better. But hey, Kent. Hey, Donkey Slippers. <laughs> Hello from Scotland. This, the guitar neck on this thing is absolutely amazing. And it's fun to have some single coils and different things like that. Right now, I'm just using a Kemper. I don't remember where I got this guitar tone from. I don't remember, but that's all I'm using. It's just a Kemper with this, with just the stock pickups. But this guitar is so much fun to play. It's very, very inspiring. Anyway, so let's go ahead and get going here. So with chord tone soloing, what you're doing is you're trying to limit yourself to only playing the notes of a chord. In this case, we're going to be using the triad, just the root, the third, and the fifth over a particular chord. And then when it changes chords, you're going to change and try and play the root, the third, and the fifth over that particular chord. And what it does is it really makes you, number one, you can't just simply play up and down the scale and get that mentality. That's another practice. Just that's not what we're doing today. 
And the second thing is, is it makes you start really focusing on melody, on phrasing, on your rhythm, different things like that that are really important for you to use. And so what I want to talk to you about today before we get started is just understanding that when you look at your fretboard, like today, the chord progression we're going to be using is going to be based off E and A. Those are the two chords we're going to be basing off of. Okay. Now there is a C sharp minor and a B, I believe, later in this thing too. It's just a little progression I wrote last week. But thank you, Alan. Thank you, everybody. Hey, Chuck. So over the E chord, what would we do? Well, a lot of times we'll just go, okay, well, let's just play E major pentatonic. And that's fine. We could come up with some really awesome stuff by doing that. Or we go, okay, well, let's play E major. And again, that's awesome. We could come up with some great stuff. But let's try to not do either one of those things. Let's try and just play triads, arpeggios, if you will, depending on how you look at it. And this is what I try and tell people is either you know all the notes on your fretboard, and you know your theory, right? So you know what notes you're looking for, which is wonderful, okay? But if you don't, you can use what's called the caged chord system. Now, what the caged is for me is different than the way some people use it. I don't really use it for thinking about like pentatonics and things. I literally just use it for seeing chord shapes. So for instance, I'd see E major down here. And then I'd see an E chord sitting right here. Sorry, right here. So I gotta play it like this. Got one string that's a little out of tune there, but we'll keep going here. So I could play it down here. Okay. Which is really a D moved up two frets, which gives you an E, right? So I'm seeing the E chord down here, but I'm also seeing the D chord moved up a whole step right here, which is giving me. Now I would also see, for instance, the C chord. Starting at the seventh fret right here, which attaches to that D moved up a whole step, if that makes sense. And what that does is it gives me a host of different places where I can move around and try and emphasize the notes of this E chord. I could then move up and play my fifth string bar chord. And then I could move up and play the G chord up here at the 12th fret. Hey, Judge Thompson, 76J, Eric is here. This is awesome. So what I'm saying is, this is a study that maybe we'll spend some more time is with just talking about the cage chording system. But learning how to visualize that enables you to be able to think, okay, I'm going to go from E down here. Now, it's not so much the, maybe if I'm doing it in a sweep perspective where I'm trying to play something faster, that's different. But really what I'm trying to do is just create a melody using the three notes of the chord, which is the triad. In this case, it's E, G sharp, and B, right? So as I play, whatever it might be. Now, you might see a scale wrapped around here as well, which is wonderful, but let's just try and avoid that for now. And if you do have your guitar, I saw some people that said they were in school and things, and it's okay. You can always watch this later. But let's just pick something to work with. Okay, and then we'll go through this together and then I'll play the jam track. And then, like I said, a little bit later, I'll upload that jam track to the Steve Stein Guitar Facebook page just so you can download it. Okay, so I'll get that. So let's do this. Let's use this position just for now. Okay, let's use E up here. So we're going to play 12, 11, 9, 9, 9, and then I'm going to use 12 and 12. 
So just right there. That's going to be my E. That's all I get as an option for an E chord for now, okay? So I can use any of those notes when the E chord is being played, okay? So I might do like... You know, anything. Again, that's where timing, you know, or phrasing or whatever it might be is going to come into this thing. Over that E chord. Now the A chord's gonna pop up. Now over that A chord, I gotta decide on something to do. Well, I don't wanna head all the way down on my fretboard. I wanna stay in the same relative position so I can try and make something that sounds a little more melodic as these two chords are changing. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna use, here's our A six string bar chord, if you know what that is. Okay. And if, if I'm talking a little bit uh, above you, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to give you some ideas here. Now, this is still too far away. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use one of my caged chords. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to where my pinky is right now, which is an A on the seventh fret of the fourth string, and I'm going to play seven, nine, ten, nine. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Fung. Thank you, DT. Do tattoos help play the guitar? I think so, yeah. So that's going to be my chord right there. So that's what I'm going to focus on when the A chord comes around. See right there. Okay. So here we go. So I'm going to play you a little bit of this chord progression just so you can kind of hear this. And I'm going to move back and forth between thinking about this E. Now I don't need all of that. I just need a little bit of that. And then A. I'm going to do that as well. Okay? So here we go. Now, right there, it's going to change to a different chord. But do you see how all of a sudden, with these two things that I'm doing, okay, as I'm playing, I'm creating a melody, being able to move back and forth between those. Now, for you, if you've never really done this before, the great thing is, is this is a great way to get used to being able to see and visualize your triads all across your fretboard, because you could do this anywhere. So instead of just going... When the music's playing, you're really being conscious of thinking about, okay, here's E, so what am I going to do? And it doesn't have to be anything mammoth to begin with. It's just very basic to begin with. And then when A comes up, and then E, and then A, again, wherever it is, I'm trying to stay in this one spot here. But what I would normally do is I might see E, for instance, down here. And then A, maybe I move over. I've got all these different places around that I can go, okay? So let's see here. Let me move back just a little bit. Will says, I'm confused. What are the notes you're choosing over each chord and why? I'm choosing the root, the third, and the fifth, the triad. That's what I'm choosing. And you're either choosing it one of two ways, Will. Either you're choosing it because you know the third and fifth across your fretboard, right? You know your theory. Or you're choosing it out of the chord shapes that you're familiar with. For instance, you might see an E chord right here, which contains your root third and fifth. 
and then you might see an A chord sitting right here. And you might move to that. So the goal is trying to get used to being able to visualize these. Now, this isn't something that, if you've never done it before, is super easy. It takes a little while to get used to, right? So as I'm doing this, yep, they're both major chords, so they're major thirds, yep. So let me start all over again. Just very basic here. A. Here comes E. there in my song it goes to C sharp minor no what does it go to maybe it goes to F sharp let me check that super cool it goes to F sharp minor and then B okay so perfect so right there it's gonna go to F sharp minor and then it's gonna go to B so F sharp minor again no big deal I just have to visualize an F sharp minor well because I'm up here on my guitar I'm gonna visualize F sharp minor right here as a fifth string bar chord at the ninth fret, which gives me 9, 11, 11, 10, 9, okay? Now, what I like to do is look at that and go, is there anything unique about that, that F sharp minor that I'm not already using? And the answer is, no, not really. I mean, all the notes are kind of there. Maybe that one. I mean, maybe the F sharp. Maybe that would be a nice note to go to over that F sharp, right? Because the F sharp... Is it being used in the A in the E chord, and it's not being used in the A chord? So because it's a note that isn't part of those first two chords, it might be a really nice color note to go to over that F sharp minor, just because it wasn't being used in E and A. Okay. Yep. Patrick says one, three, five in different combinations. Absolutely. And remember, it's less about if I want to say this, it's less about the notes and more about the phrasing the connectivity of moving between them, not just playing triad, triad, triad all over the place and then triad, but really trying to figure out how you can connect those together, okay, to make it sound a bit more melodic. So for instance, this note, okay, which is the G sharp, would be great over that E, okay? It's part of the chord, it's the third of the chord, whatever, right? And then over the A, I might move up to A. Now there's nothing fancy about that, but it makes for a really nice, melodic motion, right? And then here comes that F sharp minor. Well, that's where I might go to that F sharp because that wasn't a note that I was using when I was soloing prior. And then here comes the B. Well, then I have to figure out what I want to do with B. So let me try just a little bit of this and show you what I mean. So here we go. Oh, I think I got a different champ track. Here we go. Whatever it is I'd like to do, but you see how it works? It makes for a nice melody where if I just do this,
I'm not really making any connection. Now, I'm not saying that playing a scale is bad, especially if you play scales with what we're talking about now, with a direction, with a purpose. You're giving your solo purpose by trying to go to the right notes. That makes a really big difference in your solo, you see? So what you want to do is learn to break out of just playing the scales up and down all the time when you play and really start trying to use some of this. And as you get more comfortable with this, you can start combining both your scalular style of playing along with this arpeggio style of playing. Okay? Sir Steve, would you post? Yeah, well, these will be in each group. When it's done, it'll be in the group. So if you're in a Facebook group somewhere watching this, it'll be posted in there. I don't have to repost it. YouTube, same thing. So wherever you are, you'll be able to watch this later when you're not busy or whatever. But hopefully that makes sense. And again, remember, in just a little bit here, I'll post it in... I'll take this jam track and I'll make a link and I'll put it on the Facebook Steve Stein guitar group or Steve Stein guitar page and then you can just download it from there. I'll just add that in about 10 minutes once we're done here. Okay, so if that makes sense, let me go back and here we go. both your scale and your core together as you keep doing this and all of a sudden you get a little bit more happening but the goal is that nice combination and you're thinking about your phrasing you're thinking about the notes that sort of thing okay Eugene says just by watching what you just did it brought together to make more sense awesome that's great I'm glad to hear that that's exactly the point of doing these so over this week what I'd like you to do is start thinking about that a little bit and you might think Okay, well, I don't really know how to visualize chords anywhere on the fretboard. Well, that's a great place to start, okay? It's just learning how to visualize. And again, try to avoid the all-or-nothing mentality all the time when it comes to guitar playing. Yes, we want to be able to see a chord all over the fretboard and another chord all over the fretboard. But we don't need to spend the next eight months just studying chords all over the fretboard. That's fine, but at some point during that time, you want to start trying to use just a little bit of this magic together in one position on the guitar, just to start making some music with it. And then go ahead and keep further studying all of these sorts of things. But the goal always is to try and merge your motion with your theory, right? The things that you practice on the guitar and then all these terminology things that we talk about. Root third fifth and triad and arpeggio and sweep and all these things. And a lot of times we can talk about these things, but we don't really know how to make them, we don't know how to apply them in a musical sense on the guitar. And that's really the most important thing is finding a way to apply these things, okay? So how do you figure out the chords all over the fretboard? You got to study them. Like you could go on YouTube and look up Steve Stein and look up Caged and there's stuff on there. If you go to guitarzoom.com, I have courses that, a guitar course that talks all about the Caged. There's lots of ways that you can see this stuff. But that's the trick, is just start very simple. If you find that every time you practice, you go back to the same old, same old, and you go... Or... Every time you play, that's what you want to break out of. Because again, remember, there's two different kind of ways of practicing. There's practice practice, and there's performance practice. Okay, Practice practice is the rudimentary things, right? 
where you're practicing a lick or a pattern or a scale shape or whatever it might be. Performance practice is you're trying to make things that sound musical. Maybe it's not your fastest thing or your most complex thing, but it's the musical part of what you can do. So if you get into a situation where maybe you're going to jump on stage with a band or you're going to rehearse with a band or whatever, those are the organic real things that you can do. You can't go to a band rehearsal or try out for a band and go, well, you know, I know all these things in my head. I just can't do it on my guitar because then they won't call you again, right? Or you get done playing and it didn't go well and you go, well, I can do better at home. Well, they're going to go, well, that doesn't do me any good, right? That doesn't do the band any good. So learning how to do these things in a real perspective, maybe, you know, you're 10 times better when you're by yourself at home, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You, you have to figure out how to use these things. So if you're ever with somebody, if you're ever jamming with somebody, that sort of thing. Okay. So anyway, hopefully that makes sense. Everybody, <laughs> Robert says, shout out for the bathroom at work, Steve. <laughs> That's great. All right. Hi, what is the guitar type? This is a Charvel. It's a new model Charvel that came out. Again, I'm doing a video on that too, but I'm telling you, the neck on this thing is absolutely amazing. What software do I use? It depends on what I'm using software for. I'm not sure what software you're referring to. If you take a C shape at the ninth fret, you'd be playing a C shape at the ninth fret. It'd be F sharp major. Because it's where your first pinky would be, would be on F sharp. So you'd be playing F sharp major, which won't work for our jam, but that's what it would be. Okay. Let's see here. Rashad says, I'd like to send you some messages personally. Not really. You can send them over on Facebook. I get hundreds of messages every day. So it, it unfortunately, I, I just can't get to everything. But anyway, hopefully that makes sense to everybody. So what? No super chat? Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a super chat on this or not. But anyway, I'm not going to take any more of your time. That's almost half an hour of your time. But again, lastly, I'm going to post this backing track on the Steve Stein guitar. Facebook page for you to download if you want to mess with this. The chords are E and A, and then later on in the, the little jam, there's an F sharp minor and a B, okay? And I want you to really try and think about using this triad soloing idea, this caged soloing idea, and hopefully this will help you a little bit in trying to figure out what are the best things that you could use in your practice for now, okay? So hopefully that helps you. So anyway, take care, stay positive. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. So what I thought I would do today is maybe break down some ideas of things that I try and work on to kind of synchronize my hands better. So there's three different categories, and we're going to work on one of those categories today. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Mark. Hey, Wes. So the first one is, is that we've got a left hand, okay? I shouldn't say left hand. I should say our uh, fretting hand, right? Our fretting hand. And that's not what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about our picking hand. And we're going to talk about some things that might work very well for that, okay? So what I want you to do is think about this. The next time you're sitting around and, you know, you don't want to bother anybody or maybe you don't have an amp nearby or just using an acoustic guitar or whatever it might be, okay? What you're going to do is you're going to take that guitar pick. Oh, and one more thing, too. Sometime in the near future here, I've got a, a channel switcher that's been on order for like three months. Uh, so I'll be able to actually switch my camera angle, so I'll be able to do close-ups and things like that. But it hasn't shown up yet. Since I've moved into my studio, I ordered this thing a long time ago, and I'm still waiting for it to show up. So eventually that will get here, and, um, and once it does, then I'll actually be able to um, switch camera angles, and you can see close-ups and things like that. We're just not there yet. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Larry. Uh, Paul is here. Brett Nelson is here. Tony is here. John is here. Cool. Okay, so let's just go through this quick. I don't want to take too much of your time. 
And uh, I got to go live after a little while again here. Uh, so I got to get prepared for that too. But let's say, for instance, you were working on something. Let's say you're working on a pattern like this. Where you're trying to get used to doing three notes on one string and then one note on the next string, right? Wherever it might be on the guitar. Okay, anywhere you'd like to be. What I like to do is I like to take that idea and break it down and separate the parts out. So if we think about it, we have to figure out what is the slowest of the two hands when we're trying to develop various ideas on the guitar. And it could be all kinds of different things. I'll show you sweeping and different things in just a second here too. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the get started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the get started button.